0: KG, and this is not safe for network. There's nothing to worry about.
1: You're going to be just fine. I'm what your number one fan.
2: What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Throw you were
0: the in the box. Who's in the box?
1: in the box what's in the fucking box montucky skies
2: welcome to montucky skies i'm biggs and i'm brennan how you doing Brandon? i'm living the dream so we are dropping this on election day we're recording it the night before so that we don't get interrupted by screaming at the tv at results in nevada or wherever <laughs> but uh yeah
0: <laughs> this is something you can uh Enjoy after you treat yourself and go out
2: and vote. This is a, this will be your little treat. Or you could listen to it before you vote. Just make sure you go out and vote, please. It's kind of important, this one. It could be nuclear winter otherwise. <laughs> but uh, how was your week? Interesting.
0: How so? I did go and see Doctor Strange this week. Yeah, I did too. What would
2: you think? I thought it was a
0: B-plus B+ movie. B-plus?
2: Yeah, yeah I had to grade it. I think uh a friend of mine, William C. Bradley, uh has a five point system, but his five points are five is A, four is B, three is C, two is D. <laughs> so on that level I would have like I told him it was a three point five, so like a high B was yeah. what I was going with. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um there was a few things, um, he pointed out and I had to agree that some of the comedy went on a little bit too long like I love comedy in a Marvel movie but like the cape thing went on a little too long yeah I I liked it wiping his tears that was funny but it was like the cape fighting people went on a little bit long yeah I would agree with that um
0: one thing I did really like was the they really played up the moral dilemmas he was having like you know, as far as killing people, like, I mean, the body count was one yeah. <laughs> in this movie. Wait, who who died? I'm trying to remember. One of the, uh, the henchmen of the...
2: Oh, did the cape kill him, though?
0: Well, he killed him because he, uh, what's-her-name, shocked him, and then his aura shocked his
2: aura. Oh, that's right. Okay. So yeah, he he broke his Hippocratic oath.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it really showed he had some struggles with killing people. So
2: yeah, yeah, and no guns in the entire movie. Yeah, I don't think there was a single gun that even made an appearance, which was kind of nice. Somebody made a comment about that, and I was like, oh yeah, that's a real good point. There wasn't any guns, and all the destruction. They set up a thing where. Uh, you go into the mirror universe to practice your spells and things. And so all the fighting they do for the most part is in the mirror universe. And so it's, it's like contained and it doesn't destroy anything. And the things that do get destroyed later, they find a way to undo. Yeah. Which led to like, I, I guess spoilers. If you haven't seen it, just scan ahead like a couple of minutes. We won't go into it too much, but The end battle is so good. Like, it was a lot of fun, I thought. Yeah, it
0: was pretty fun. Uh, And it's straight out of the comics. I was actually, like, reading a section online, like, where that uh, battle or confrontation with uh,
2: Dormammu. Yeah. Dormammu. I'm so happy they did Dormammu, too, because I didn't think I knew a lot about Doctor Strange. And then my wife really didn't know anything about Doctor Strange, and so a couple days before we went to see it, I was like, yeah, I showed you the commercial, and I'm like, I just start like, describing who Doctor Strange is, and when I started name-dropping Dormammu and, like, all this stuff, I was like, Oh, I guess I do know a lot about Doctor Strange. <laughs> like, I'm not, I haven't read a ton of his comics by any means, but I've read enough where I totally know enough about him and, and more than the average person. And he's
0: one of those characters that is real notorious to showing up other people's storylines.
2: He's Marvel has, you can tell because, um, and I remember cutting out an article. This tells you how like how hard up we were for Superman mo- or superhero movies cuz it was probably before Spider-Man 2 dropped or maybe after. No, it would have been after Iron Man dropped. And I cut out an article that was talking about all the superheroes that Marvel uh, like the Marvel Studios was developing and Doctor Strange was one of them. And I mean that was over 10 years ago. So, it was like, I've noticed in those 10 years especially, they've just pumped up Doctor Strange a lot. Like, they find, like whenever he's applicable to a story, they throw him in. Whereas, other times, you know, like, sometimes Spider-Man would face a magic user and they didn't have Doctor Strange. But, most of the time, now, if you fight somebody like that, they work in Doctor Strange, you know. And, they're so good about that. They really are. Like, they just, like, inundate them into cartoons and comic book crossovers and like TV shows and stuff and they throw out little ma- mentions. I don't remember which Marvel movie it was, but they mentioned Doctor Strange in one of them. Like they they mentioned his name. Maybe it's like Avengers 2 or something cuz I think they also like make reference to uh Spider-Man very passingly. Like we got a guy who swings and Yeah. I, I, was that Avengers 2? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're really good about like getting those characters out years in advance so that you know the fans kind of know like know the know enough to where they're excited to go to the movie. They're really good at that. The yeah. cross promotion, but um you know what's funny? There were, I was uh I, It's funny. One, we we set up a spoiler alert. We didn't even spoil
0: anything. The, <laughs> um the w- one uh easter egg that i caught turned out not to be an easter egg oh what was that well when he's driving and the uh he's talking to his assistant who's giving him like uh possible cases coming up Mm -hmm. and one of them was uh roadie not roadie right (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I thought it was Rhodey and then it was pointed out online that doesn't work with the timeline because it takes place over a couple of years which I didn't realize when I was watching it.
0: Yeah, well, But when that, I think
2: back on it it makes sense. Like he's training but they don't really tell you how much time passes.
0: That and the other thing was is they had mentioned when he was talking on the Bluetooth that the person that was injured was Marines and Rhodey was Air Force.
2: Right. But i did read who it probably was that they were talking about and now damn it i can't remember who it was but they actually were name dropping another character
0: now the other thing that the other thing that kind of popped up with that same thing was it could be the guy that was in the suit that justin hammer was yes
2: that's that's what i was thinking of yeah yeah it could be a luke cage crossover there's like a dude no probably not that dude gets obliterated you haven't watched luke cage yet i
0: haven't finished
2: it no oh so you're watching it i've watched a few episodes how far in are you four or five four or five are you enjoying it so far
0: yeah i just i don't get an hour blocked myself very often so
2: did it uh did it go into his origin yet not yet okay so maybe that was episode six I was trying to remember. I thought it might be six, but I wasn't sure. It's really funny. He's like, at one point, they managed to navigate it so he looks like he did in the 70s and 80s. And he catches a reflection of himself. And he's like, I look like a damn fool. (laughs) It's really (laughs) funny the way they kind of throw that out there. But we got got an appearance of an affinity stone. I think we were talking about that last week. Yeah. yeah so I, I broke it down in case people are curious um, which infinity stones have shown up and where they're at currently we think so the, the newest one obviously is the Eye of Ag- Agamotto I think is how you say it which is the time stone and Doctor Strange left that in Kamertage, and that's one I don't know that they ever established that that was an infinity stone in the comics it doesn't matter because it works you know yeah. in movies But that is one of those things that like that medallion basically just does what he needs it to do in the moment. Like they don't (laughs) say that, but like when the writers need something, it's just one of those things like he's a magic. Yeah, he's a magic user, so he doesn't have like a specific set of like skills not a particular he, set of skills. No, he's not Liam Neeson from <laughs> Taken. He does not have a particular set of skills, but I mean, he just throws out whatever spell he needs to. So he wears that amulet all the time, and it just does whatever the fuck he needs it to do in the moment, you know. In the comics, but um, that amulet is the time stone, and he left it in Comertage in in the movie. Uh, the space stone was the Tesseract cube in Captain America: First Avengers and the Avengers. And it's presumably in Odin's treasure room right now because Thor took That's it right. out, took it at the end of Avengers. Uh, the reality stone was in Thor 2 and it was given to the collector so that the two stones were not in one place, which I kind of forgot because that was the very end of Thor 2. Right. And they don't address it in Guardians of the Galaxy. They bring him another infinity stone, which is so a bad idea. So he ends idea, up with the uh, power stone. But not for very long. No. <laughs> Uh, The Mind Stone, which is Loki's scepter in the Avengers, is now in Vision's head. And that also gave Wanda her powers and Quicksilver before he died in the MCU. And totally pissed off Fox. Uh, The Mind Stone, we just covered. The Power Stone was in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's now kept in a vault on Xandar and it's guarded by the Nova Corps. Right. And finally, the Soul Stone has not been discovered yet. However, Adam Warlock possessed it in the comics. It was actually in his head. And he's he was supposed to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was the old news that I'd heard. I don't know if that's still the case because I haven't heard anything about him or seen anything with him in the trailer. So we'll see. But there's a good chance that Adam Warlock has that Infinity Stone, I would say. I don't know if it's going to be planted in his head because they did that with the Vision. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what they do with, with that one. But I'm betting Adam Warlock has it if he is in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And that sort of like places it across the universe. You know, uh, Was there anything else about Doctor Strange that, that jumped out at you? I loved the multiverse scene. Oh, man, (laughs) it was So
0: was so much fun. Yeah, it just that I was really glad I paid for the 3D for that part of the movie alone.
2: Yeah, that just screamed Steve Dicko to me. Like I have looked at some of the older Doctor Strange comics and panels and stuff and like he would try and draw the trippiest stuff. And uh, it, it just seemed very Steve Dicko watching that. And there was other artists in the 70s, like the writer of Doctor Strange and some of the artists were dropping acid in the late 60s, early 70s when they were doing... Like, they would storyboard and come up with ideas for Doctor Strange while they were tripping on LSD. And so, like... It was really cool to see that represented on screen, especially with all the hands when he's in that universe with all the hands everywhere. Oh. <laughs> that was so amazing. I just like, I have never seen something CGI, like a scene that was CGI so incredibly. It was done really well. I, yeah. I thought it was really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I really dug that. It should be noticed. We talk about budgets and things sometimes. Um, before anybody tells you it's a bomb, <laughs> $165 million budget. Got $85 million in America, which is probably the numbers you saw in all the stories. The reality, 325 worldwide. So this has almost doubled its budget in the first weekend. That is a success. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of money for one weekend. And knowing Marvel movies, it's going to have one more big weekend, and then it'll just slowly ratchet down yeah i mean it'll like it'll be a pretty good get money for another month or two but it'll be at a way lower rate it always has a big drop off after two weeks yeah but this movie is like an unqualified hit like when you double your budget in one weekend or come close to it that's pretty good especially when it's a 165 million dollar budget uh something else i noticed benedict cumberbatch most american accent i've ever heard him do like, I bought the accent. Did you buy the accent? I had no problem with it. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. That's good. <laughs> I thought about it, but it's only because I've seen him in so many things at this point that I was waiting for it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, he's American. That's a <laughs> real good American accent you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good at it. And he did a bunch of them in, in uh, Saturday Night Live on Saturday, too, if you saw that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of starting night live really quick, like just tangenting away and then maybe we can tangent you want to talk about David S. Pumpkins. No, but that's, <laughs> that's awesome too. Go ahead. Like, are you talking about that trailer that I, I put up on Facebook? I'll no, I was just again. talking
0: about David S. Pumpkins. Oh, for, you got any questions?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the trailer I put up? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Somebody like somebody inserted David S. Pumpkins into a bunch of classic horror (laughs) movies. There's like, you see part of his head in a well in the ring and then you see him like coming towards the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's in part of the shining and just all this stuff is really funny. But uh, yeah, Dave Chappelle going to be hosting next week. I saw that. Not promoting anything. Apparently. Just going to be on Saturday Night Live. That is a fucking get. That is a great get. Yeah, I was saw that last
0: Wednesday or so, and I was like, ooh, that should be interesting.
2: And I am not going to lie. I think about Dave Chappelle, like how I don't see him very often, Every at least every month. I'm just like, when's he going to do something where I get to see him? Like, I think that all the time. So I'm very excited to see him on Saturday Night Live. Like when he was doing his big, uh, his big comedy tour, he was on a bunch of talk shows, and that was exciting for me. I watch every talk show, even the ones I can't stand. I just watched like to see Dave Chappelle. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see him on SNL. I hope it doesn't let me down. I don't think it will. Right? Dave Chappelle's just funny. I think, uh,
0: I think it'll be interesting as long as they give him some like
2: creative outlet. Oh, they have to, right? I would think so. Like, I'm willing to bet that most of that staff hails him as a god. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, most of that staff is probably in their late 20s, early 30s at this point. Maybe like mid 30s. Yeah, mid 30s. And so, if that's the case, they fucking like Dave Chappelle was like at at his creative peak when they were like forming their comedy chops. Yeah, I mean, like they they have to venerate him. I'm sure. I'm sure they're gonna give him some rope. I mean, maybe you don't drop a bunch of N bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's try and. But Saturday Night Live has done it. There's like there's a Richard Pryor sketch that's a total classic that I'm not even gonna repeat anything that was said between Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking yep. about. <laughs> Back and forth between Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor could never get on TV today. They don't even rerun that as like a best of anymore, but they used to. (laughs) The landscape has changed. Uh, uh, Going back to Doctor Strange, I did want to talk about the mid-credits scene. So there was like Thor. Yes, yes. Drinking the giant beer. So what I read about that was that is actually a scene from Thor Ragnarok. So they did the same thing they did with uh Before Ant Avengers Man. 2. Yeah. Well, I think it was Ant-Man. They dropped the Winter Soldier scene where he's like, I know a guy. They have Bucky Barnes oh, yeah. in the basement. So they dropped it from Civil War. But uh, they did the same thing here. So, they dro- so we know Doctor Strange for a fact is going to be in Thor 2, which is pretty cool, I think. We got Hulk, Thor, and Doctor Strange for sure. That'll be fun. We got Meek. <laughs> I'm excited. We got Loki. I think Loki is, if they're talking about Loki, that's for sure. And then maybe Odin? We'll find out. Yeah, because there
0: have been uh, pictures swirling around on the internet about, uh oh, what's his, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like wandering around New York is a like disheveled bum.
2: I hope that's for the movie. And it's not just like Westworld went South and he went crazy, (laughs) (laughs) which by the way has been very good. I got to say, um, I haven't seen the latest episode just yet. I will probably watch it tomorrow, but that show has been fun. It's been living up to the promise for me. Like a lot of thoughtful stuff, like thoughtful sci-fi. It's fucking my wheelhouse right there. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What was the end credit? I'm trying to remember. The end now. credit was with uh, Oh, the yeah. other... That that guy turned into a villain. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I read what villain he was, but I wasn't really familiar with the villain because I'm not super big on Doctor Strange at comics. Although I'll probably dive backwards and become big on it because that's what I do. Especially now that I got my Marvel Unlimited app. Nice. <laughs> uh. I wanted to talk about music a little bit. Is that cool? Let's do it. All right. Um, So the first thing I want to mention was uh, kind of a big story. So Travis Tritt was complaining about Beyonce playing a song with the Dixie Chicks at the CMA uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, He put out a tweet that was like, FYI, my band and I are going to try to work on Beyonce's All the Single Ladies for all you diehard country fans who love traditional music. Which would have been like an okay tweet. But he kept going off and going off. And it was basically saying Beyonce had no business being on the stage of the CMAs. So I kind of like broke down a couple of things to examine what (laughs) Travis Tritt is trying to say. The first thing is past CMAs for performances have featured Justin Timberlake in 2015. Taylor Swift when she started her pop phase in 2014. Megan Trainor in 2014, Ariana Grande in 2010, Kelly That's Clarkson. That's Grande. Or, sorry, Grande. Yeah, dude, I, I pasted and it didn't have the E. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kelly Clarkson in 2010. They've all performed, right? Uh, musical event of the year for 2008 went to Gone, 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 I've Done, Moved On by Allison Krauss. And do you know who the guitarist was? That would be Mr. Jimmy Page. Uh, or no
0: that's Robert Plant why did I say
2: guitarist now, <laughs> that, you know what I'm giving you the point because you came up with it and I said guitarist and he's obviously the singer of Led Zeppelin yeah Robert Plant so they gave like a CMA award to Robert Plant like 8 years ago <laughs> Uh, that's number one number two single of the year and video of the year for 2003 went to Johnny Cash for Hurt as well as album of the year for American For The Man Comes Around which is the album that's on uh, it covers Nine Inch Nails, Paul Simon, Sting, The Beatles, Depeche Mode, Roberta Flack, and The Eagles. Musicians on that <laughs> album include Fiona Apple, Nick Cave, Don Henley, John Frusciante, The Chili Peppers, Mike Campbell, who's a guitarist for The Heartbreakers, Smokey Hormel, who played on Adele's 21 and toured with Beck, Joey Warronker, uh, with, who was R.E.M. and Beck's drummer, and Billy Preston. So... Once again, not a whole lot of country there. It was produced by Rick Rubin, who is a producer for the (laughs) Beastie boys run DMC slayer, public enemy Danzig, the black crows, red hot chili peppers, sir. Mix a lot Tom Petty and the heartbreakers Lords of acid, nine inch nails, ACDC system of a down Cheryl Crow rage against the machine, Eagle eye cherry, Aerosmith and Jay Z. (laughs) And there's other ones. Those are just the most notables that I picked out of there. Um, my last point to this is country music traditions come from folk and blues music two of the influences that pop comes from. So are they really that different when you break it down? I mean, you listen to a Shania Twain's song. Is it that much different than Beyonce? Really? No, not it's really. It's really not that different. And Shania Twain won like armfuls of CMAs and performed almost every year for like, I don't know how many years, a lot of years. I was looking it up one of the few things i didn't write down on that (laughs) but in case you're still doubting me here i'm gonna give a quick music lesson by quick i mean a couple of minutes (laughs) feel free to chime in whenever you want because there's a lot of stuff here but everybody's gonna learn something here it's gonna be fun so folk music it started with the english the scottish and the irish traditional folk songs right that came into the united states Then gospel music came about by combining spiritual folk music with African rhythms. Many African tribes communicated through djembe drums. They were taken away from slaves during that little time white people don't like to talk about uh, out of fear that they would communicate a revolt between plantations. Many slaves learned to play guitar and cross folk music with their rhythms to create the blues. Appalachian music took Irish and Scottish fiddle music and then combined it with spiritual folk music and the blues. Country music crossed folk music with the blues, as we said earlier. Boogie Woogie combined country and blues music using the characteristic of the third variation of the second section of Beethoven's 32nd Piano Sonata. So now we're talking a little bit of a German influence there. Uh, Cajun music developed by crossing French-Canadian ballads with Native American rhythms. Jazz started in New Orleans. It's improvised and created in a way that would mix native blues, folk, and Cajun music so that everybody could play together for all the musicians around New Orleans. Uh, Ray Charles combined gospel music with blues to create rhythm and blues. Soul music combined gospel, soul, and jazz. Rock and roll combined elements of gospel, jazz, boogie-woogie, and rhythm and blues and country. It was a term coined in 1934 to describe Sister Rosetta Thorpe's song Rock Me. We're halfway through. (laughs) We're getting to modern times here. Rockabilly was rock and roll that leaned heavily on country influences. Doo-wop was rock and roll that leaned heavily on rhythm and blues influences. Blues influences with multi part vocal harmonies. Psychedelic rock combined rock and roll with Indian music. Heavy metal com- combined blues and psychedelic rock. It was started by Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, and Led Zeppelin. That's right. <laughs> and you told me, you always talk about Zeppelin 1, and you always said it was more of a blues album. It
0: is a very blues album. There's a lot of, uh, in fact, most of it was cribbed from uh, Muddy Waters
2: tunes. So, like Delta Blues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go that into it because I put everything into letters to keep track of where I'm at. And I went all the way to U here. <laughs> so, there was only so many genres I could hit. But I made sure to get all the things that equaled into the top genres nowadays. So, moving on here. Pop music is a softer version of rock and roll that borrows from Latin, music, country, and many other forms of music. Funk combines soul, jazz, and rhythm and blues, de emphasizing melody and chord progressions and creating a strong rhythmic groove with an electric bass guitar. Disco incorporates funk, soul, pop, and Latin into one form hip-hop took funk soul and disco records isolated the percussive breaks and rapping over the music was created by a combination of scatting, scatting which was started by louis armstrong by the way yeah and, jazz tradition mm-hmm, and jazz poetry electronic dance music mixed disco and jamaican dub music it started with musicians in detroit and japan K-pop took dance and ballad ballad aspects of pop music, combining them with rhythm and blues as well as hip-hop. Every popular form of music in the United States has been created by combining music in some order from the British, Irish, Scottish, Africans, Native Americans, Germans, French, Latinos, Jamaicans, and Indians, which sort of gets me to the point that I'm actually driving at like Travis Tritt's not going to say it's because it's like a black lady on stage, but it's kind of cause it's a black lady (laughs) on stage and it upsets him when, when it was all these white people that I mentioned earlier, it's not really a problem. And apparently immigration is the number one issue of Donald Trump supporters is what I've been hearing lately. And I just, I want you to think about this before you go into the polls and I realize I'm probably not going to sway anybody, but Really think about this for a minute. If you like any song that's done by an American musician, like any song whatsoever, I just covered them all. And you can trace that back to all these immigrants from all these other countries, essentially, and ones that we stole, essentially all contributed to all the music that we listen to. And you can talk about, I only listen to this music or this music, but it all comes from roots of this other music. Yeah. Um,
0: when mm. I was in college, I actually did some studies on histories of America, pop music, and it covered a lot of what you had just mentioned there. Um, the There are only two forms of music that I would say, well one is a 50/50 of what would what i would say originated in america okay
2: like completely originated in america completely
0: originated in america one would be native american tribal music right and that would be the only one that i would say would 100% came from america the other one which, would
2: which let's be honest how many trump supporters are blasting like navajo navajo <laughs> chants like no, not happening
0: and the other was, um, and part of this came over from the old world would be um, Dutch hymnals, yeah, <laughs> which but are really not it, popular. It, right? But
2: in the title, you just said Dutch, yeah, and <laughs> like this came from Dutch immigrants.
0: But the well, they origin they when the people came over on the Mayflower, they. The amount of singing that they did was almost none. After about 20 to 30 years, they actually started singing in churches in the North American continent and they started singing some of the old hymnals.
2: That's so weird that (laughs) they would wait like over a generation and then somehow know those songs.
0: (laughs) Well, they just started, I mean, it was really one chord. Progr- or pian- or not even piano, uh, progressions. Uh, organ progressions. I mean, just real simple, simple stuff, and they were just hymnals that have been written from, you know, clear back in the uh, medieval times, From the fire and brimstone days.
2: God, please kill him. Amen. That's a little state reference for all the state fans out there. It's right before Tim goes stomping off and goes what they don't know is me and God are like like this this, and has his fingers together (laughs) and then you see God revving a motorcycle and he's got love tattooed on the knuckles of one hand and hate on the other. (laughs) 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 Fucking love
0: that. Yeah. Um, the other, there was two other things I uh, uncovered when I was doing my studies there. One was um, there were two songs that I just like fell down a rabbit hole. Okay. Uh, um, the first one is the song Iiko Iko." Iko on ne. Is that like Zydeco? That. There is a lot of history that goes behind behind that. It was originally Haitian. Okay. um, Which there were two Mardi Gras Indian tribes in Haiti, and it actually started out as like a, oh, I don't know how to, like a tribal warfare song almost. Really? (laughs) I would not get that at all from that song. So And a lot of the uh, the words that are in that song actually come from West Coast, Ghana, to uh, Togo, um, basically brought over with the slave ships because ha- Haiti was a slave stop. I'm sorry, but when
2: you're throwing out <laughs> all those names, I'm like, Ghana, you wanna come on pretty mama? <laughs> okay. Montego. <laughs> now, I just wanted to,
0: there's a... Looking at a lot of the um, linguistics background of this song, uh-huh. um, there's three different versions of the same song. Because there's a f- French Creole version of the song, which, and then there's also uh, the French Creole. The the uh, main part of the song is Ana Ana Aka Aka. And when you translate that to English, it's, hey, now, hey, now, listen, listen at the back. All of our love made our king be born. Our love made it happen. A possible different interpretation of that song. (laughs) Maybe it was like a Creole Weird Al version. (laughs) It's very good at the rear. It's a very good year. Because there's one word in there that depends on who's singing it. It's different, like a slightly different word. Okay. So the translation is
2: very different. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like how everybody thinks it's revved up like a douche, you know, the roller in the yeah. night.
0: <laughs> now, there's a third for that same little snippet of the song is uh, code language, God is watching, Jacumon causes it, it will be emancipated. Jockamon urges urges it we will wait. If, and that kind of goes actually to like was, the voodoo culture. Yeah,
2: I was going to say if that was a battle song, I believe that one because that one seems more like what a battle song would be. <laughs> yeah, and there's another line in there where I'm going to set your
0: flag on fire and the flag in Haitian culture To set with someone's flag on fire is actually to set a curse upon them. Okay. So. That's kind of sweet. And this one, this song goes back probably 150 years or more.
2: Is that why people get so bent out of shape about burning American flags? Is that what that thing is? They're just afraid they're going to set the voodoo curse on them? (laughs) Is that just some folksy thing? And,
0: you know, a lot of that just goes down to symbolism. Like, right. people don't like their symbolism being
2: burned in effigy. I mean, if you want to be, like, realistic about it, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, all that talk about blues uh, a little bit ago was getting me thinking about a conversation I was having with my buddy Eli at work. Um, I was talking about the doors, because he's not, like, super into the doors, but I was like... I was talking about like how underrated their albums without Jim Morrison were like, they're pretty good. Like I listened to them and I didn't think I would like them. And, uh, my dad had the records for him and I wound up like he left his records at my grandma's house for a while when I was living there. And so I grabbed them and listened to them for a while. And I think I might've stole them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if I still have them in my collection, but I think I do. And you probably won't listen to them. So it's no big deal. But, um, They're really good, but it got me thinking about like Jim Morrison and uh, like LA Woman is a good album, but it's not great. Like, I feel like their self titled album is great, and a lot of stuff that they did before that is great. But the thing about LA Woman is it makes me sad when I listen to that album because it is the gravelly, like blues kind of thing that he's doing, but he's also doing it because he's losing his voice. Because he was such a bad alcoholic at like age 27, he died basically from drinking too much. And uh, didn't he like choke on his own vomit or something, or was that just Hendrix? It was definitely like drinking related. But um, do you remember when we drove out to Missoula to Rock and Rudy's and you got that? You, I think, I think it was you. Like, yeah, you, you bought that. Uh, that Doors. Well, it was like a, no, it was, it was a uh, Jim Morrison. Like, his bootleg. uh,
0: it was a Jim Morrison. I don't know how to describe it. It's so, basically just him talking.
2: Yeah, it's him doing like poetry that he wrote. Yes, and then he pulls in a street musician, and then he sings it. But it's the last night he's alive. Because he was in Paris, and they actually like kind of cover it in the movie of the Doors. I think it starts with that and cuts back to it a few times, and I think it might end with it. I don't remember for sure, but they're all focused on that that uh, that last session that he records. And remember the 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 sound engineer is like, "Where's the rest of the Doors, Jim?" And he's like drinking whiskey like really heavily, and and uh, yeah, and that shit like. That was one bootleg I will never listen to again. Like, ever. It was just the saddest thing I've ever yeah. heard. Like, hearing him at the end of his life. And he was so clearly just fucked up and beyond control. And, and just at the end of his life. And it's just, like, it's a bit haunting to listen to it. But I don't remember it being particularly good, either. It was just... It was sad. It was just a person at the at the end of his rope. Who yeah. Who had somehow, like... Hit these giant highs so fast and would be remembered for a long time, but you know, even today, and he died in like 71. Is that right? That
0: sounds right.
2: Yeah. And uh, he's still, still remembered and highly regarded, but it's like just drank himself to death. But you wonder how many more good albums he would have had in him if he hadn't done that. And that's, that's almost impossible to say. Because they were there at the right time. Yeah. And and they recorded this amazing music. But, like, I mean, would they be doing these, like, Coors Light tours now, <laughs> you know, if, if he had stayed clean? <laughs> be doing uh,
0: Carnival Cruise tours.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just an old guy railing about how awful hip-hop is or something. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, It's weird to think like some of these artists have expiration dates and maybe musically that's for the best, but it's still sad to hear. Like, I don't know of any other artists that you can hear the end point like that, you know, like it's, I guess Columbia like bought that out and sat on it for a long time and then somehow they wound up selling it to some little company that, that spun that out, but I recommend not listening to that unless you want to be super sad.
0: Yeah. Um, there's like a few artists you could think of that had really their swan song, like uh, Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Her last album was really good. Yeah. Um, you know- But you don't, you don't see the point where she's going to be dead in the next 24 hours recorded on tape. Yeah. And that's probably the most interesting part of that.
2: Freddie Mercury had a mother love. Like he recorded that song on the last day live, And that's like a super underrated song too, I think. Like that's a really good song. Um, and they wind up cutting part of it to where they like cut to a concert that he played it was like to 300,000 people and he's doing this hello. And then like everybody's singing to him. But I think it was from their, their, uh, the live aid concert. I think it's from that. Like they cut some audio and kind of put it at the end of it to finish it out. And then I think Roger Taylor sings the end refrain. Cause he just, he wasn't able to finish it. Like he died that day, you know? but it's like, it is a song about dying. And so it's like right there, but his voice is incredible in that song. Like how he was able to still belt it out on the day he died. I just don't know. Cause that wasn't like a drinking yourself to death or like doing alcohol or anything, you know, like, yeah. Uh, doing some sort of drug that drove you to death. Like that was, that was dying from like, you know, leukemia or something from, from AIDS. So,
0: yeah. Um, the only other one I could think of would be Black Star, David Bowie.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Nobody knew it was coming out either. Like, wasn't it released like, was it a day before he died? The
0: week he died, like, somewhere in there.
2: Yeah, just crazy timing on that one. Um, but speaking of Queen, um, Rami Malik, if I'm saying that name right, who's on Mr. Robot... He is now set to play Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. I did see that. Yeah, Variety put this out. Uh, Brian Singer is in talks to direct, and Brian Mann, Roger Taylor will produce the music. Um, I looked at some photos of, of, of Rami Malek, and it does look like he looks enough like Being Freddie Mercury. Service,
0: serviceable.
2: Yeah. Uh, the first advice I would give is like lip sync. <laughs> <laughs> like I know sometimes stars can get away with like imitating people. Uh, this is not one of those ones where you're gonna get away with that. Like you need you need to lip sync this one, yeah. And we're okay with that as Queen fans. We would rather you lip sync through this movie. <laughs> Just trust me. <laughs> you're not gonna be able to do it. Freddie does. So, um, what do you think about Brian Singer directing that? That seems like an odd choice to me. It seems really out of his wheelhouse, almost.
0: Yeah, to be doing like a biopic after doing X-Men movies?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it kind of does, but he's done a few different kinds of movies, so I don't know. I It's one of those ones I hear it and I'm like, it could be good, but it could be really awful too. I just, I don't know. But Brian Mann, Roger Taylor are working on it, so that's a good sign. But I hope it's not what... <sighs> okay. So... Basically, Sasha Baron Cohen, and I may have touched on this on the podcast. Yeah, I know. We've
0: talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, he,
2: he was saying that one of the things Queen wanted to do with the movie was like the first two thirds, you know, Freddy's alive and then the last third he's dead and it's about the band carrying on. Fuck, I hope that's not the case, man. I it, It's nothing against him, but like. I just, I feel like a Freddie Mercury biopic should begin and end with Freddie Mercury, you know? You know, I,
0: I feel like it should be about Freddie Mercury if they want to include a little bit about, I mean, not a third act.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, too. Like, if there's a little bit of, like, we have to carry on, fine. But if it's, like... If you're sitting there and you're telling me that, like, a third of the movie is not going to involve Freddie Mercury, no. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. Like, you could end with the concert that they did, the tribute concert to Freddie Mercury. And I'd be fine with that. And I'd be fine with that. But I almost feel like... If you're going to end a biopic of Freddie Mercury, it should either end in his deathbed or it should end before his deathbed. You know what I mean? Like, I still want Freddie Mercury through the movie. I I don't really want, like, if you want to, like, put type saying what, like, Queen did at the end of it, I'm all for that, but (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. they, They do that in every biopic. Like, Roger Taylor went on to blah, 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 and brian may blah, like got his degree in astrology or whatever <laughs> astronomy but that'd be fine but
0: astrophysics thank you very much
2: astrophysics you're right i'm sorry sorry brian may but i think freddie mercury is it's dude look if you're queen it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about but let me tell you as a queen fan like Freddie Mercury is too integral to what people want to remember about that band, and you might want to service what people want to remember rather than what you want them to. Like, put out a documentary where you talk about that, you know? If you were like, here's a whole documentary on what we did, like dealing with Freddie Mercury's death and what we did afterwards and where we are now, I would totally watch that documentary. Oh,
0: I'm all in on that. Like, But a Freddie Mercury biopic where... It doesn't have <laughs> Freddie Mercury for a large
2: portion of the end. No, we don't want that. No, I don't want to remember Queen plus whoever it was. Uh, Roger, uh, God, what's his name? I don't remember from he was Bad, Bad Company. Company. Yeah. yeah, I and I only Queen album I haven't bought. I uh, I haven't
0: seen, I haven't listened to that one either. I did uh, Roger, God, what is his name? I keep like Roger Williams? No. No.
2: <laughs> that's a that's an orchestral guy, isn't it?
0: Um and I keep thinking of uh Roger Daltrey and I know oh, that's no. not right. Long no. band and he's still alive <laughs> somehow. <laughs> well so is uh what's his name from Bad Company.
2: Yeah. I'm just surprised being in close you know, proximity d- with like Keith Moon that Roger Daltrey is still alive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well he doesn't, motherfucker- he doesn't he does he doesn't allow
2: weed at his concerts anymore, so Jesus yeah I guess. But I mean Keith Moon literally put dynamite in his drum kit in the who's (laughs) most famous performance like when they played on the ed sullivan show he put dynamite in his drum kit and he didn't tell anybody that he put dynamite in his (laughs) drum kit he just lit it off like uh the guitarist what's his face uh oh god i sure remember his name so conceited so conceited i can't (sighs) anyway uh, he's really pissed about it because apparently he lost some of his hearing from that. Paul Rogers is the name we're Paul trying. Paul Rogers, uh, the, the guy who joined Queen, who was from Bad Company, yeah. You know,
0: I actually did listen to some of the stuff that he recorded when he did that tour with Queen, and it was good. It's not
2: Freddie Mercury, but it was... It was good. Yeah. I heard snippets of it on the Howard Stern. So it was interesting. Cause Howard Stern was like saying like, I don't want to hear anything without Freddie Mercury. Like they're a band that always had Freddie Mercury. I remember being like, eh, it's not really true. Cause there's a lot of songs that he doesn't sing on. There's a couple, every album. <laughs> and then like, they played like I'm in love with my car and like, Howard Stern kind of liked that, and he started listening to these other ones. He's like, hey, that's kind of good. But I noticed they were ones that Freddie Mercury didn't sing on that he was, like, talking about. So they didn't really hit any of the Freddie Mercury classics that they they did on that. So I think maybe Gary DeBonte, DeBonte, however you say his name. Bababooey. I (laughs) think he was trying to hit the ones that Howard might like, so... That probably did not include Bohemian Rhapsody or We Are the Champions or Killer Queen,
0: you know? So, in that article that... Because I think we probably read the same
2: article or... Yeah, I, source I sure from I went, the same part. Yeah, I went straight to the source, which was Variety. Um, the What I got
0: out of it was... I'm very cautiously optimistic because... Um, Brian May and, um, Roger Taylor, Roger Taylor really have a lot of say in that. And I think that was a lot of the reason Sasha Baron Cohen quit the project they were on. It seemed like they really did not gel at all. No. And I, looking back, like, I really wish that
2: project would have come to fruition. (sighs) I know. It would have been good. Like, Sasha Baron Cohen is so good at losing himself in parts. I think this would have been a good one, because Freddie Mercury was so fucking flamboyant. It just would have been a great You know, I think he would have movie. been a great job, and I think he looked the part. He was talking on the Howard Stern show about all these, like, what he really wanted to do was, like, explore some of the crazier aspects. Like, apparently there was a party he heard about that Freddie Mercury had. Where he had all these people that were like bent over his like tables and stuff and people were doing rails of coke off of their back and like keeping the drinks on them and stuff. Like who doesn't want to see that in a movie? That would be entertaining as hell. That would be so entertaining. You're talking about a rock biopic like show some of the crazy stuff. I I think Sasha Baron Cohen could totally pull off dressed as Freddie Mercury, like riding on Darth Vader's back going into (laughs) a concert. Like, that's the stuff I'm super interested in. But I still have hope for this. I'm not I'm not going to bury it. Uh, I have hopes for it. You know, the Miles Davis biopic. Super fucking good. Like I was looking forward to that, and I was not let down. It was not at all what I expected, and I loved it even more for it because <laughs> it was such bullshit, like most of it. But so entertaining, man. So good. Um, so some other movies. We'll go back into to nerdy stuff here. Uh, did you have something you wanted to say about Doctor Strange? You were mentioning something. Oh. Um. And we had probably
0: touched on this in the podcast uh, just very briefly. Was they brought in Dan Harmon
2: yeah, I for definitely a second brought that reading up. of the, the script? Yeah, yeah. He did, like, the final pass on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Put in some humor. Yeah. I wonder if he wrote in the Beyonce line.
0: <laughs> well, what they really brought him in, because I actually was reading about what they brought him in. They brought him in for a lot of uh, the sci-fi multiverse consultation because of his work with Rick and Morty. Yeah. (laughs) Which I
2: thought was really interesting. (laughs) It sounds like they're working into more Marvel projects too. Well,
0: they had worked, um, some of the producers that Dan Harmon had worked with were, have been involved with the MCU since the conclusion of, uh, community. And that is why in, uh, Civil War the guy that played Dean Pelton played the dean of MIT mm. <laughs> which I thought was hilarious yeah <laughs> so i i i really enjoyed that aspect and i thought like just thinking through of it everything held up pretty well and the other thing i want to say is they did finally release a release date for the third um Season of Rick and Morty, which will be before the end of the year.
2: Nice, nice. Uh So, giving equal time as the election, as they used to have to do with primetime TV, they had to give equal time to the main candidates, right? We'll give some equal time to DCEU, but we won't really give equal time. We'll just touch on <laughs> it. Uh The Flash just fired another director. The Flash movie, movie, yes. yes. for the movie, yeah. That's their second director they fired for this one. Do you remember back when Zach was talking about this? But this was something legitimate I read, which was DC was talking about how in their universe, like Marvels, it was sort of the same style. And they were making all the directors conform to the style and the stories. And they said, for this one, we're going to give control to the directors. Well, now they've, like, fired somebody, like, one of the directors from Aquaman or he quit. And they've gone through two directors for The Flash. And they're on their second director for Wonder Woman. And, like, you sit there and look at it. And it's like, okay, are you really giving your directors all this control? Like, I remember hearing a lot of stink about how Suicide Squad was changed drastically in the edit bay because of negative reactions to Superman, Batman. Right? Yeah. So is this all bullshit? I think it's a lot of bullshit. I think it's a lot of bullshit, yeah. It sounds like Jeff Johns is starting to become the creative arm. However, that being said, before people raise your pitchforks and head towards Jeff Johns, if Wonder Woman is shit, or The Flash is shit, like, these are still ones that Zack Snyder had control over when he was sort of running the universe when he took it from Christopher Nolan, so... I don't know. It almost feels like a suit is the one really calling the shots to me. Yeah. Like maybe even the same suit who was like when they ran out of Harry Potter movies, they were like, what are we going to do now? We don't have any properties. And it was like, motherfucker, you're sitting on all these DC characters and you think you don't have anything to do. (laughs) No intellectual property to like explore just stupid. And now what have they done? Right when you start seeing all these problems with DCEU, we got a new, like, spinoff of Harry Potter coming out where they're planning to do a bunch of movies.
0: Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's only a problem if you make it a problem. I'm making it a problem, dude. No, <laughs> not, I think it's I'm saying,
2: problem.
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> it you know, it, interfere, it, it shouldn't really be a problem because it's only
2: a problem because you're making it a problem. Yeah, I just feel like Warner Brothers I think that was a line about like we're given the directors control or whatever. I think it's probably a suit who's like, No, you need to change this like over and over again and then you're just like, Fuck this and throw down the script. I mean, we've heard about this happening with Marvel maybe twice. Twice that I can think of. Ant Man and Ant Man, yeah, with Edgar Wright and Black Panther, I think lost a director that they were looking at or they're having a really tough time and then they finally settled on uh oh god I can't even think of his name now it's been so long since I saw Creed. The- <laughs> uh but yeah, so DC just get your shit together. Um it's really Warner Brothers get your shit together. Yeah. The only other one
0: I saw was uh Tim Miller backed out of Deadpool Two.
2: Yeah, that's Fox. Yeah. That's a little Fox news. Yeah, that happened and uh they were supposed to start filming in January, but that's not happening now. Um they're trying to find a director. That's yeah. a real problem. Bringing in a director and then just Cuz they lost
0: cuz Tim Miller left and then
2: they lost the uh composer that did the music for it. Do we think Deadpool 2 is going to be good? I mean, I realize we can't possibly know right now, but what's your gut tell you?
0: I am. You can answer whatever I don't know. It's it's so much because they're they had a lot of great chemistry on the original Deadpool movie. Mm -hmm. Um, The between the actors, the writers, and director. I mean, there was just a lot of great chemistry there that I. You know, they're losing a lot of key parts of that. And, and it sounds like Fox is like, oh, we, we actually have a great property in our, in our midst that can make large amounts of bank. And I just wonder how much they are going to try and shoehorn in something that just doesn't work. Yeah.
2: My gut tells me I look at First Class and I look at Deadpool, which are great movies and I look at like the two after first class and I think about all the other X-Men movies and all the fantastic four movies they've done and daredevil. And yeah. Just and like, like, it's just like, you I'm know, like, if you, you, you just, know what? the you odds just, are, this is not going to be a good movie.
0: <laughs> you know, if, when they start pushing into, in their, uh, thoughts for the movie, it just, I mean, cause they really wanted a PG movie when the, Deadpool
2: was. Yeah, first. they wanted to be PG thirteen. <laughs> and they were like, no, we have to make this an R. And they
0: really wanted the R and it worked. And you know, when stuff like that, when they're really starting to push, you know how they want their property developed, I think it really hurts the movie. So I I'm got a lot of hesitation in that.
2: And I will say I'll probably see it because it's earned. It's earned the goodwill where I'll give it a chance. Yeah, you know, uh, but it just seems to me with Fox, like when you have a director who gets it, you need to stick with that director. Whatever you had to pay him, whatever like conceits you have to make, you got to keep in mind that he fought and made the most successful R-rated movie of all time. Yeah. And not only was it the most successful R rated movie of all time, it was one of the most successful movies of the year. And it was released on fucking Valentine's Day. (laughs) Like, and I mean, we can laugh about the Valentine's Day thing, but what I mean is shit that's released from like January and February. It is typically their C roll stuff that they're just. Yeah. That's the shit that they were like hoping for November December and it's like nope this isn't good enough we're going to push it out there's two times it's like right now it's the stuff you see in like August and September it tends to be stuff that like they don't have faith in and then the next part is January February yep. that's any of those movies you see released during that time for like tentpole movies they're expecting to fail like uh, they've just like thrown in the the towel and like you typically get a hit but not like not a hit like Deadpool was no. like that was that was surprising to a lot of people and so you clearly had a director who got it who brought it in in the super low budget you're a fucking idiot for not hiring him again yeah like they haven't hired a director as far as i know yet they need to get back on the phone and do whatever it takes like if if a suit's got to get down on his hands and knees and like suck him off to get him back <laughs> on the picture you suck them off like you don't even think about that that's your job on the line man like what better things do you have to do that's a 250 million dollar suck off right just take the shot in the mouth and then (laughs) run to the bank crying and like take a shower or whatever and then get up in the morning forget it happened so you're in Hollywood, baby. It'll be fine. <laughs> Everybody takes a shot in the mouth now and again.
0: It I think happens. we got the tagline for the episode.
2: <laughs> that could be the tagline for Deadpool too. <laughs> Everybody takes a shot in the mouth now and again, and it has dual meanings for Deadpool. So it works. <laughs> Let's see, what other news do I have? Oh, oh, uh, doubling back to DC to give it sort of fair time. <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman, did you see the new trailer for it? I did. Yeah. So the thing that stuck out to me in this trailer was they showed where the Amazonians are from, and it doesn't look all washed out. Like the one thing I didn't like about the other trailers was they were still. Like cribbing the Christopher Nolan look, which I'm fine with Christopher Nolan doing Christopher Nolan look. It's when everybody else is copying yeah. it, then it's like, come on, we don't need washed out colors on all the stuff. But when you see the stuff, like with the Amazonians, super colorful, like not washed out. And I don't know if that's them like being like, we have to put color back in this movie, or if they just shot those scenes in like vibrant color, but it works. I like this colorful Wonder Woman. Can we please have more color, DC, please? You know,
0: because it's a bunch of women living by themselves. There's going to be color.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, I'm tired of seeing everything looking like a perfect drug from Nine Inch Nails, like that music video. Yeah. Like so many people have cribbed that, that color scheme, and that totally worked for like a four and a half minute video. I don't know about, like, a bunch of two-hour movies. like Yeah. It just gets so fucking drab sometimes. So I was really happy to see that. I liked all the bullet, like, reflecting with their bracelets. That you was know, sweet. I, you
0: know, one thing I did notice about that trailer is Wonder Woman isn't on her knees the entire time. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> you got to take a shot in the mouth now again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that does have to be the title. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else that stuck out to you? Just no. the knees.
0: <laughs> yeah, the um, the between the um, the Justice League and Wonder Woman. I really like the music, and even uh, bringing it back the Logan trailer with the hurt. Back to Fox. Yeah. yeah, I did like... I but I'll well, like just bring it back Hurt to what we were it. talking about with Johnny
2: Cash earlier with yeah. Hurt. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, why not? <laughs> it's a good song. It's a good cover of Nine Inch Nails, dude. That was Johnny Cash covering Trent Reznor. If you're going to be all like, all crotchety about like what's allowed to be in country music, I mean, he was covering like an alternative... Like, what, industrial industrial rock rock. yeah yeah i mean it's not really industrial that particular track but it's totally an industrial rock album yeah like that's definitely an alt-rock song you know i yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh Did you see the new trailer for Lego Batman? Yeah. It looks pretty funny. My friend was like, kept asking me, like Eli again, he kept asking me if I'd seen the new Lego Batman trailer. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I've seen three of them. And so I don't think he knew how many were released. So he just wasn't sure. But I checked it out and, like, this is a great trailer, dude. It's really funny. Like, finding out that Zach Galifianakis, uh, his Joker, is super sad because he wants to be Batman's nemesis <laughs> and uh and like Batman names his nem his main nemesis as Superman. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I get and you just see that little hint of such sadness <laughs> around his mouth, and apparently his Joker is like super depressed, is what I was reading. Like he's really bummed out all the time. It looks great. Yeah, it looks really funny. <laughs> I can't wait. Or they have the one trailer where Robin's like looking at the Batman suit and he's like, aha, and like rips off the pants.
0: <laughs> I can't look at you in the face right now.
2: Yeah. And then so later when uh when they're going through something, he like finds a Robin costume. He's like, well, at least you weren't. And he like, and like what's off the pants again. <laughs> so funny. I like how it's like the reggae Batman. <laughs> yeah. Takes the dreads off. He's like. Yeah, this is it. They even showed a shot of him as Bruce Wayne without the mask. <laughs> that I'm going to be honest. That was a little bit of a bummer. I was hoping because the Lego Batman movies are so ridiculous that he would just go to galas with this Batman <laughs> mask on and nobody would think about it. I was sort of hoping that's what they would do. Show him as a kid with his parents wearing the Batman mask. <laughs> like, that does seem like the kind of movie where you could get away with it, right? Yeah. Uh some other news we'll just hit on a couple more things here uh Sean Astin and Paul Reiser are gonna be in season two of Stranger Things so that's that's kind of interesting dude they're got the I, Goonies yeah. And, oh, yeah and Lord of the Rings if You're If talking about Sean Astin right yeah yeah and then Paul Reiser dude you're talking you know what's weird what are Paul Reiser's two most famous credits you think uh my two dads <laughs> you think my two dads is one of his most famous that's what i think of him from okay that's fair enough that's fair enough i could see it because i love whiplash too and he's in that but i gotta say his two most famous credits probably aliens and mad about you (laughs) right two of his other famous ones yeah (laughs) all right fine let's go down the my two dads train there How is it that somebody is, like, most famous for My Two Dads and (laughs) Aliens? Like, can you get any different than those two projects? Not really. By the way, which dad did you like better in My Two Dads? Not Paul Reiser. Not Paul Reiser? What about as an adult? Um... Have you revisited it as an adult? No. So here's the thing. When I was a kid, I was totally about the mullet-wearing, earring artist dad. But then as an adult, I'm looking back at it, and I'm like, he's a shitty dad. Like, Paul Reiser's holding it together for the kids. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, this is... For people not... Millennials, I'm looking at you. For people not like familiar with my two dads, so this was like a sitcom premise that could only be in the 80s this woman has a baby and she doesn't put up father on the on the birth certificate right or no she puts two people cause it could be one of the two then she dies so the girl is told by a judge that she has to go live with both of the people on the birth certificate so they fucking like move in together and have a family and like neither of them wants the daughter but they're like trying to make it work. That's such an 80s sitcom right there. Like no judge is going to be And like, non-homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no judge is going to be like, yeah, let's put these two guys together and force them to live with them. And like, a you ju- can't do And a that. the judge was a major
0: character on the
2: show. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the judge is always checking in and stuff as if she's like. I think she made an appearance like. Basically episode, episode, yeah. Yeah, no, she's definitely a character in that show. She's basically like CPS in this show, (laughs) (laughs) which is fucking ridiculous, dude. A judge does not get involved in these people's lives. That does not happen. Yeah. Oh, 80s. (laughs) (laughs) You've done it again. Uh, The last thing I just wanted to hit on quick. So The Simpsons just renewed for two more seasons. Which will put them past Gunsmoke. That's right. Most scripted shows ever. Gunsmoke had 635. We know The Simpsons is on 602 right now. So that'll put them somewhere around like 620 at the end of the season. So that'll put them somewhere around 660 for for the end of the series if they don't get renewed. Which, at this point, I'm just going to assume it's going to get renewed every time until it doesn't. Because it's been most of my life at this point. I think it'll just like be an automatic renew
0: unless they don't want to do it anymore.
2: Yeah, I will say um, because I was thinking about. I was reading a blog post. I was it was some dude starting off snotty, being like, "Oh, I don't. I haven't watched The Simpsons for like ten years." Blah blah blah. Those people annoy me because they're they're trying to like implicate that the writing quality of the show went down. I'm always like, no. Like, you have peaks and valleys of a season at the most. Yeah. Like, the show is... It it is what it is, and it, it just keeps going. I do feel like you need to keep the voice cast as long as you can. But when you can't keep it anymore, I feel like this is a show where you can start bringing in people. Like, I don't want that to happen, but I do feel like this is a malleable show, and I think it could go on forever. If it needed to, (laughs) like if people were still into it, I think it could just keep going. And so if you can find people that are talented, that can do the voices, you can probably keep going with the show at this point. They were ready to go without, uh, without Harry Shearer, which is why I thought about this a lot before. And when Harry Shearer didn't want to sign up, I was bummed out about it, but I was also like, eh, he's kind of a dick. Like I get it. And then he wound up signing up, but I'd already like written them off in my head. So the fact that I just wrote off like 20 characters in the show <laughs> like that tells me this show could probably go on as long it, like they very rarely come up with their own lines. Like usually it's the writer's lines. Yeah, and you have so many writers coming in that it's like at a certain point you got to be like, eh, some other people can probably do this. However, let me be clear. If you're like axing voice actors because you don't want to pay them, that's not okay. That's not no. That's the kind of stuff where I'll turn on the show, like for sure. But if it's like they're old and they don't want to do it anymore, or one of them dies, ready retire. Yeah, yeah. we've had we've had a a voice actor die on the show now. Um, the lady who did Mrs. Krabapple. Yeah. Like, and they, they retired the character because she died, but you could hear that. And I, I know I said it on like podcast before she died, but like you could just hear how much she aged in her voice. Like she just sounded super fucking old all of a sudden. And it was like, it was cause she was at the end of her life. So, yeah. uh, that's all I got for news. Did you have anything else before you, before we go? That's all I got. All right. Oh, I almost forgot! Check us out on Facebook next week. We're going to be recording at nine nine o'clock 9.30? thirty nine thirty. We'll Mountain be a, we'll be
0: live nine thirty Mountain time. Yeah, Mountain time. We'll probably for do... all those people on the East Coast, do your math.
2: Yeah, yeah, come up to our level in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, everybody like joined us from the last Facebook live. Thank you. Like this is almost three weeks now since we did the last one and shit like we went up 20% and it's stayed it is fucking stayed from last week I can't believe it so thank you for everybody's joining us We're gonna try and join a few more people up if you liked what you saw check it out again if not we'll still be on the podcast it's fine you just won't see our beautiful mugs uh, so let's see mm, anything else we should cover no I think you can kill this one going once going twice take a shot in the mouth
0: Respect that outro. Wow. No, I respect it with
1: a shot in the mouth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A not safe for network podcast take that O.E., you drink it down to the label, Yeah. you uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station, uh, <laughs> yeah. you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt just liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So
2: you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege of mm-hmm. experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. Yeah. We had a good life.
1: When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's gonna do, you're like, oh wow, it must be alien. It's totally because of the mustache. Yeah, yeah, believe the mustache because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache, bad news. There's something about him that's not Sometimes right, and the characters pick off. up on it right away and they lock him away. <laughs> you know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache, and when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness and just all around wrongness and weirdness. The alien
2: movie project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, <laughs> he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. <laughs> the two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. <laughs> like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Oh, I'd yeah, that worried punching... about getting Seminilla punching that bag. I think he might have... Given that punching bag salmonella. Well, every now and then it's insightful. Find us on iTunes.